Welcome everyone to ROC Tone Deaf. I'm Tone. And I'm Deaf. Together we continue to look at the Rochester arts and culture scene with an emphasis on music. This podcast is dedicated to explore the rich talented history which brought us greats such as Sunhouse, Cab Calloway, Chuck Manjone, Joe Beard, Chuck Cuminelli, Alec Wilder, and Mitch Miller. We have a rich history and a new crop of today's artists waiting in the wings to be discovered. So let's go to the fishing hole and see what we caught. So Tone, who do we have today? I'm glad you asked that question. We have Chris O'Brien, a Rochester native, who is one of the founding fathers of Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad. That includes his brother, Matt, Dylan Savage, and James Searle. They started playing authentic roots reggae music in the Ithaca area in 2004. Chris has been their talented, steady, and dedicated drummer ever since. The name of the band comes from the Tom Robbins book, Another Roadside Attraction. Their debut album, Slowdown, was released in 2006, and by 2016, they had released a total of six studio albums and two live albums. In today's interview, Chris gives us a look at the hardworking unit that aims to give their best, and Chris's story gives you more reasons to love this band. So get ready as Chris fills us in on the band's history and their latest adventures. Okay, so let's get going here with our uh, next interview. Uh, we've got Chris O'Brien, uh, who is a local, uh, born right here in Rochester, uh, actually from Brighton. Um, he started his career very early on. Um, he was a youngster when he started playing music, and he has elevated to playing with one of the uh, biggest bands around Rochester right now, uh, and that is uh, the Gorilla Dub Squad yeah, giant panda gorilla. Oh, well, thanks, Steph. That's why I've got you on the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, but at any rate, um, Chris uh, plays drums for the group. Um, this is a group, as I said before, uh, has been touring uh, across the country, uh, has put out many albums, and I guess I'm going to throw it to you, Chris. Can you kind of fill in the lines here in terms of um, the evolution of the band? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad. Can't remember it, can't forget it. Um, Except me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I've, my first and only band, really. Um, me and my brother Matt and James Searle, Dylan Savage, shortly thereafter, got, got together playing music in high school. Um, we grew up watching Dylan and our buddy Kevin play in a band called The Ripe Band here in Rochester. Go down and see them at Park Fest all the time and put on a great show. Um, and uh, 
around we we played in a couple of high school bands um but then right around the turn of the millennium we got really into reggae music and uh challenged ourselves to see if we could play it that's great and evidently you you met up with the challenge and you you succeeded in doing just so i was just wondering what made you take up the drums why why drums um, my dad, my dad played the drums, not professionally, but he was pretty good at them. And he got us going, me and my brother at a very young age. Um, and then my brother became a very good musician in his early teenage years, got the guitar when he was, I think, 13, maybe 16. Um, my father also learned the guitar just kind of strummy dummy stuff just to get us going worked like a charm and uh matt was off and running writing tunes playing guitar being the singer and so what actually got me like in the basement behind the drums with a band was my brother needing a drummer and knowing that i could like kind of play the drums you know <laughs> so he was like chris come down here play some rock and roll with uh, our, our buddy Ange, who lived two streets over. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, so that's oh, how it how much older was How much older was your brother? My brother you? is 18 months older than me. Okay. So we were kind of right. side by side. That's awesome. You know, our whole lives, yeah. And did either one of you had formal training in music? We both took, um, you know, we were both in band at Brighton, and okay. that was in jazz band and okay. flourished. He was a very, uh, really good drummer by the by the time he was like a junior in high school, um, and he took a couple lessons with some heavy hitters. Um, one of my mother's friends was dating Rich Thompson, who runs the jazz drum program at Eastman, and even just like a couple minutes. I, you know, I don't even know how it went down, but Rich Thompson was in our basement on Danforth Crescent showing my brother doing V-strokes oh, with brushes and, you know, just, just talking to that guy for a few minutes. And, yeah, so my brother did take some lessons. He um, ended up taking some piano lessons with a guy named J.J. Kaufman, and that really um, was great for him. I took a handful of drum lessons in my early 20s um, from a guy that... Uh, Honey Falls Lima drummer named Ted Poor, who is like top of the jazz scene right now, period. Oh, yes. Like is playing drums for some really heavy hitters in the scene. Rich Thompson taught Ted when he was like a boy, when he was like five years old until all the way through oh, Eastman. Wow. Um, and yeah, as like a, <clears throat> you know, as like a, not to put myself down, middle of the road drummer to have a lesson with a guy like that, it was worth the 30 bucks to like watch him warm up, you know? Wow. So I did like a handful of lessons with Ted Poor and I'm like still like uh, 15 years later, like, oh, maybe I'll practice that thing Ted showed me uh, at that lesson, you know? Oh, that's great. But yeah, it's been, um, yeah, there's a lot of great drummers around that I've gotten to be buddies with and it's it's cool to see him just curious uh steve gad or uh, have i've you never ever... met steve okay. gad um i you know it's funny i was at java's a couple years ago and the owner mike was like gad just walked out because oh. he just left I, oh, oh man, man i would have loved it <laughs> and uh 
we actually our 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 first keyboard player Matt Goodwin, uh-huh. um, who runs, uh, he's in Black Dog Studio down uh, on Sio behind yeah. Java's there. Um, when Steve Gadd and Tony Levin were inducted into the Rochester Music Hall of Fame, they went and did a session down there. Um, Gad's band, which the name is escaping me right now, mm-hmm. um, they went and did a session down there. And Goodwin has the tape from the you know nice. the mixing board, and uh, yeah, pretty oh. cool. Paul Simon ended up coming right. and, and yes. playing that a couple of tunes yes. that night. Yeah, that it was, was really, amazing. It was a really cool ceremony. Yeah, it really was. Peter Gabriel on like the video. You know, he didn't come in person, but like nice 4K video feed okay, specifically yeah, nice. about Steve and then specifically about Tony Levin, who is his only bass player ever. Oh, wow. um, that was really cool. Now, um, what other drummers out there have inspired you that you... Um, my buddy Joe with? Tamino okay. is really top of the list. And, it you know, it helps that he's like one of the coolest guys I've ever met also. Um, he has played with tons of groups. We were introduced to him with a band called Dub Trio, um, which was James like scouring the internet for people to do gig trades with a long time ago. And uh, they were called Dub Trio, so we were oh, thought awesome. they were a trio of dudes playing dub reggae. Right. And they're like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like ADD, hardcore <laughs> goes into like a little dub thing that, and, and and they're amazing they're an yeah. unbelievable and really cool, cool guys yeah, yeah. uh Stu brooks the bass player is crushing it right now i believe he's doing something with danny elfman or something crazy like oh, that in hollywood yeah. and joe tamino plays with everyone he played with modest yahoo for years they played the um i remember oh, seeing him on tv playing the opening ceremony of the winter olympics uh, he was the Fuji's European tour drummer when oh they like did gosh. a reunion. He's like one of those guys, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so yeah. he he's he's definitely one of them that has been a huge inspiration along oh, the way. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so now all of these early uh, experiences of yours. So when did the band meet? Was it James first that you met up with, or? Yeah, or my brother and James linked up because they're in the same grade, um, class of two thousand here at Brighton, and. Uh, it's funny, me and James have been best friends for 20 years now, so we laugh about it, but I thought James was a total tool when I met him. He was like, <laughs> you know, kind of cocky, like, yeah. and I was like, I don't really like this guy's style. Uh-huh. And uh, we were at a, <laughs> we were at a fish concert in Oswego in 1999, and <laughs> it was like 100 degrees out, whatever, whatever, and James, oh, we're standing there waiting for the band to go out, and James just falls over backwards, like right into my arms, you know? And, Whoa. and, and we were buddies ever since. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, what a good That's friend a, you yeah. are to yeah. catch him. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, uh, with James uh, and you, uh, was it uh, po- politics, or was it the music that put you on the same page, or both? Definitely. It seemed, it seemed like you guys really grew we do, uh, and James yeah. has taught me so much. He's such a smart guy, and mm-hmm. I love listening to him mm-hmm. um, tell me about things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very politically aware of what's is, going on. Yeah, yes. and I, you know, I try to surround myself with sure people like that because it's uh, intellectually stimulating. Right. And 
Um, it's good to know what the heck's going on. It seems to drive you on the drums, by the way. Um, you know, especially the political songs when I watch you. It uh, is an interesting feeling yeah. when, when that is reality. Yeah. You know, when you're playing the song Pockets, thinking about yes. how crazy the world is, and it literally, like, pushes you so to you, play harder. You take your aggression? Yeah, out, out I mean, I yeah. guess in some, in, yeah, in some, that, for some tunes at some points, yeah. I, I think that's one of the great qualities of the band, is when you're Thanks. beating it out like yeah, that, and funny. the song is political. Dylan, Dylan Savage, who writes, our, he's our guitar player, who writes pretty much, like, the most overtly political tunes. James's are always shrouded in illusion and symbolism. Um, so sometimes they're hard to tell what he's actually talking about. But Dylan's are pretty much straightforward, you know, War Machine, Pockets, um, Trouble Deep. The words are right there in front of you to hear. And it's funny, they're all, in my opinion, like banger tunes. And Dylan's always reluctant to play them live because he doesn't want to be a downer to this crowd of people that are at a reggae show trying to have a blast, you know? So it's a funny uh, juxtaposition or whatever to, uh, yeah. I to think I think you guys handle it well because you mix in the love songs yeah. uh, very nicely. He also writes the yep. open book love you yes. know, songs. Oh no, it's, it, it, it's a great experience, your concerts, and I see why you guys get so many people. Now, on the political frame of things, I was just wondering, you know, the sort of the controversy that's been going on for a few years in terms of the Rastafarians from Jamaica, and how do you guys handle the reports that Rastas are uh, involved in hate crimes against LGBT people in Jamaica? Uh, does it become uh, controversial for you at all to, to you know, participate in reggae music knowing that that's going on by the Rastas or um it doesn't it, it has never become controversial you know at a show or anything like that oh the the, the only time I mean as a band we discuss these things and are distraught about yes. them um and you know un unfortunately that is a prevalent thing in parts of the reggae community However, the reggae community is the whole world now. It, yes. it did, um, it was birthed in Jamaica and like, I, I think faster than any other music traveled the world. So there's reggae bands in Osaka and Rochester, New York and Mexico and Brazil. And I think it's safe to say that I don't know the statistic on this, but I think it's safe to say that a majority, if not a vast majority, of the musicians in those bands do not believe that Haile Selassie was the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yes. I think that's safe to say. Yes. <clears throat> yes. So, and I don't know um, if the folks in the reggae community that are homophobic are Rastas either. I yep, mean, right. that's like a, that, that word has been kind of bastardized. Exactly. I mean, it's like you're a Rastafarian. Exactly. Like that's your religion. So yes. you think that the emperor of Ethiopia was literally this, like Jesus, like, it's like, there's not a ton of people like that, that you meet a lot, you know? Yeah. Yep. And you know, no disrespect to those people. It, I respect anyone's faith and beliefs. 
Absolutely. Um, Bob Marley definitely thought Haile Selassie was the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right. I don't. Right. Um, and thus you separate yourself. Yeah, there. it's yes. a worldwide thing. And we, Very were, good. you know, we respect that it came from Jamaica. And again, I think that's a pretty small group. Uh, what I was going to say originally is the closest it's ever come to confrontational was when we were at some big reggae beach party of like white people in freaking Rhode Island or something. And the DJ like put on the Buju Bantan song about like killing gay and James almost went over and like attacked this dude. James oh, was yeah. like so awesome. upset. Nice. He was like, yo, you like you don't you didn't play a song by accident. Right. Dude. You know, like yeah. you just push play on this freaking track. Like who the hell are you? Right. You know? Right. Um so yeah, it's I, you know, it's a struggle but and it's a struggle across everything. You know, absolutely, feel, you absolutely. Know. And I, I imagine being a country star, right? And having to like right. imagine being in the NHL, right? You know? Exactly, like, exactly. And I just wanted to clear that up for anyone out yeah. there that may have had that thought about the band and you know the fact that the Rastas, yeah, there are, are some Rastas, not all Rastas, right? Sure, yes, yeah. We're pretty outspoken about our beliefs. James is pretty unstoppable, even yes. if you tell him not to, he's still gonna. That's great. You know, and he had to basically remove himself from um, social media because he was just on overload, as so many people have been lately. Yep. Um, it, was a, it was a long five years. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? Yes. 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 It, now, it you still burns. You, you also spoke of Bob Marley. And I'm just curious. Um, were you guys intersecting at the same time that reggae music was spreading quickly, as you said, because of Bob Marley? You know, were, were you guys tuning into Bob Marley at that time? Was he? Yeah, Bob was definitely the he was first a, stepping stone for you guys. Bob Marley, Lee Scratch Perry, Burning Spear. Wow! And of those bands, did you see any of them live? Did you get the, a chance? And we have um, seen Lee Scratch Perry play. We, oh, yeah! Wow! Um, and it's wild and awesome. Yes. And yeah, Return of the Super Ape had a huge effect on me and my brother, um, James as well. Dylan has been steeped in like all reggae music since we were little kids. Dylan's like a reggae head. Yes, early on. Um, he was, yeah. And yeah, we didn't even know like about the Rochester reggae scene. We didn't, when, when I started playing reggae, um, I didn't know that Lee Scratch Perry lived here for a minute and... Um, Ronnie Stackman yeah. and Frank Bone right. and Dylan, you yep. know, yep. and it's all so close to home. I, you know, I'm buddies with Frank. Text me on the way here. Um, and, awesome. Yeah, and wild stuff. Yeah. In, in fact, I just went to a quick anecdote. Sure. Ron Stackman brought Lee Scratch Perry into Village Green Bookstore on Monroe Ave. That's a long time ago. Exactly. I I just went to the uh, Village Green Bookstore guys uh estate sale oh my goodness yeah, yeah i heard like about that the wildest yeah. knickknack treasure trove yes. me and amy were like oh my god <laughs> uh, anyway brings lee scratch perry in lee scratch perry gets carl sagan cosmos and goes to buy it let's say it's ten dollars and uh tax was i don't know 60.65 so the cashier's like it'll be 10.65 and Lee Scratch Perry freaked out about the tax. <laughs> and so Ron gave the lady a dollar. Yes. And then Lee Scratch Perry walked out, like pulled out a black magic marker and opened like the 450 page book 
and started covering each line of the whole book. You know? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, <laughs> crazy. And I'm pretty. Sh- I, I, I'm pretty sure if this is accurate, uh, Lee was living in Victor, New York, with those guys when a reporter called him and told him Bob Marley had died. Oh no! To which he said, because at that time, and I think currently, he considers himself to have gotten burnt pretty bad by the oh. whole Marley oh, becoming okay. famous thing. Death, or, death is the wages of sin. That's what he said Whoa. to the freaking reporter. Dude. I would have expected a little more sympathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hardcore guy, you know. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, other greats that you've run across uh, are Ranking Joe and G Love. Can you, you explain what happened there in terms? Yeah, of your... um, we yeah. It, as far as the reggae greats, we are so lucky to have been able to share the stage and festival bills with so many of these artists, you know. Um, we've gotten to, we went on tour with The Meditations, um, Israel Vibration, um, Steel Pulse, we did five shows with Steel Pulse in a row and it was like crazy. We played with Yellow Man in Jamaica, which was incredible. Um, G-Love, we linked hard with, we did like a 27 show run with G, he really loved the country album. Mm. He really loved it. We're gonna get to that later. Oh wait, you know what it was? We did that. We did the tour with him, and Aaron Lip was in the band at the time. Who, Aaron Lip is a musical prodigy and was just getting into maybe not just getting into, but was really steeping himself in bluegrass and country like vibes. So he would be. We would go on G Love's bus and jam after the gig. I mean, you had the energy to do that? That's amazing. I barely did, honestly, <laughs> but like, G wanted to jam. You know, yeah. Lip always wanted to jam. G was like, guys, come on. Like, you know, Lip would be over there just playing the guitar, and it's like hard to resist. You right, know? right. G Love's like rock star dude with his tour bus. He's like, come on, guys. And we're like, okay, dude. Awesome. Um, so G actually pushed us. To record, um, and then we recorded country, and then he was on, if I'm not mistaken, Bright Days on the song Humboldt County Gold. Yes, he plays yes. harmonica on. Correct, it. correct. Um, that and Rake and Joe. It's funny, like the the uh, modern collaboration. We weren't there with those guys. Um, I've never met Rake and Joe. Um, Rank. We had, we tried a couple other MCs. Um, on Take Your Place, which is the song he's on. And that came out on Easy Star Records, and we were running it by Lem Oppenheimer and Eric Smith. And I think Lem was like, we, we sent him the one guy, and they were like, yo, that's pretty good. And Lem was like, yo, Rank and Joe would crush this, man. And we're good buddies with him. He was on the dub side of the moon. Yes. Can we see if he wants to do it and send it over? And like two days later, they sent it back, and we were like, "Whoa, yeah, that is really cool." Oh, that is fantastic! Um, yeah, wow. so that's how that went down. Yes, and um, there's actually a couple. The the music that we're producing right now, we're trying to have a bunch of collaborations on. No kidding, yeah. and, and we couple successful ones so far. I've heard two tracks 
um, with guests on them that I'm really happy about both of them and hopefully there's several more to come. Is there a working title? Um, there is some penciled down titles. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that we're going to be releasing three EPs. Oh. Yeah, so we're going to try to, I think, go for the like trilogy thing. Very good. We're still trying to figure out how to do that. Do you have some somebody that you go to for marketing advice? Because that sounds like a cool idea. I'm just one. Or did you guys just that, come up with that? That like kind of trilogy all coming together mm -hmm. thing was definitely James's idea. Oh. Um, and we we spitball it around. You good know, for James. And, and yeah. Come up, try to come up with cool stuff. You know, and sometimes someone's got the inspiration. And sometimes they don't, you know. Sure. I was like the art guy for a while because I'm really into art and posters and stuff. And and then I just like burned out on it. You know? Sure, sure. <laughs> I was like, guys, I can't do it. Yeah. Well, um, you did a great job. How, how many al albums did you do? I mean, ironically, I don't know really how it came to be, but both the, con both the Americana or acoustic records are a picture that I took and wow the make it better album cover was done by Icy and Sot who are like world famous street artists and they came to Rochester and stayed at my house I, I invited oh. them here to do some murals which they did and we became friends um, I was actually super nervous to ask them to do it and James sure. wrote this amazing emotional heart pour out um and they were like yeah we'd love to guys you <laughs> how know? can you not yeah you know? and um so that to me is like our our, our most special uh album cover the in these times cover was actually done by a rochester guy who's down in i believe raleigh north carolina now his name is isaac payne and it sort of like had a like a graffiti touch it to did. it yeah he does murals mm -hmm. of like beautiful real life of like of like people it'll be like a busy city street you know and it's got this like washed out look to it and that cover is in my attic right now and it's about it's like a five foot whoa canvas rolled beautiful about like a, a hug width and you right. roll it out and it's this like 12 foot by five foot he just like made it in real size you know and that's cool. Oh, I see. <laughs> and that's James's buddy, Isaac. That's awesome. That's, yeah. That's, no, this... And then, ironically, just while we're on the album cover Sure, thing, sure. Um, Steady, which was thrown together very well, but thrown together by really? um, a guy named Andy Pritkin, who was literally like jobby-jobbing, working graphic design for our management company, throwing together flyers and stuff for bands like real quick. He threw together this thing, and it's like the most iconic <laughs> Panda album covers, the shirts, like, you know. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how it works out. Works you pour out, yeah. your heart into yeah. something, and then, and then something just, yeah, yeah. you know. The, the, speaking of covers, the one with the woman on it, um, it's, uh, who was the woman? Just, uh, just recently, or is that Make It Better? You're Make It Better, about? I'm thinking yes. of. Yes. So that was Icy and Sop, and it's a really interesting thing. Um, it's cool because it's got the continent it of young, Africa. It was a young man in Istanbul, of all places, selling watches. 
Um, it's truly extremely ironic because it does kind of look like a woman. Mm. Um, it Sorry. kind of yeah. like extremely resembles James's family, the oh females in James's family. Like wow. if you, it's bizarre. Yeah. And James's wife is from Istanbul. Oh. James is actually in Istanbul right as now. We speak. Oh my yes. goodness! Exciting. Um, but yeah, that was Icy and Sot took that picture of a, of a person. And wow. yeah, they put like the world map over it, which is great. Crazy stuff. Africa is at the center. Yeah, it's, totally. It's wonderful. And we, um, our management was like, you have to put like the band name and like the the little panda stencil, like our little logo, like it's got to be on the cover. And we were like, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We're like, if you buy the record, sure. like you probably know what band it is. Sure. You know, type sure. of thing. Like Absolutely. just leave the piece as it is. As it is. And we did. Oh, yeah. You went, you cited on the side of art. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? No, this time period, 2012, you were talking about some albums that came out, the reggae album in these times and country. You guys were really in an experimental mood. We were. And I must say, I thought it was a great time for you guys because you could do both. And I was wondering, uh, why didn't you carry on both? Uh, why did you drop the country and continue on with the reggae yeah um, I'm glad you dig it and um, we did country again on mm -hmm. G loves uh, you know we, mm -hmm. we wanted to do it we yeah. were, were campfire dudes yep. jamming in the awesome. band since we were kids awesome. you know? mm -hmm. but our friend Joel out in Colorado who was our sound engineer at the time which in a reggae band is like a pretty serious job with the effects and the you know, anyone, any touring band, you know, you try to have a legitimate sound guy. Anyway, Joel opened, Joel bought a, a house and, and a studio out in Colorado, and we were there maybe on the road. Yeah, we were doing a Colorado tour, and it was the first session in his studio. Mm. So part of the reason we didn't go full bore and do a reggae thing was because it was the first session in the studio and we wanted to kind of work the kinks out got it you know and see what was what it, it everything added up to just like oh wait this is a perfect time to try to do the acoustic thing ah. like well you know yeah yeah and um again having aaron in the band yes i i can't stress it enough yes you know he's all over the record he really is he literally he's playing like the fiddle on the opening lick he picked up the fiddle like 48 hours before that. You're kidding. I'm not. Oh my yeah, yeah, like you can hear, like, yeah. you know, he's probably a hundred times better now, but like he was literally just beginning to play the instrument. You cannot tell that. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, so that was really fun. We had, that was like far and away because the stress was gone. Like uh -huh. the most fun I've had recording a record. Like we were like having, we were laughing the whole time, having a blast. Do you see in the future, like pulling out a song and putting it in the playlist on a concert? Yeah, or? we try to do it once in a while. Oh, uh -huh. um, it becomes like a logistical nightmare. Got it. Like, Got it. Where do you? If we were a big rock rock band, we'd right. have like a right a bunch of extra channels, and they'd already be plugged in. We'd have our technician be able to run it out. Right. But it usually just turns into like us unplugging our electric guitars, like right, and then like. Right. You got the level on this acoustic, and you're like in the middle of a concert. You got yeah. it. Yeah, you can. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's a nightmare. It's a logistical nightmare. We have done 
Um, like when we put out Bright Days, we did, and I think you're going to ask this, a yes. small, we did like a five night Northeast major city run of just that. Nice. Played a little music hall in New York, Boston, Philly, was DC. It, was it well received? It was, you know. Um, we had a couple people, I guess they got over it by Bright Days, but country. We had a, a couple fans be like, Yo, I'm gonna be real with you. I don't like it. Oh no! You know, and like, there's you know, there's purists of everything, including reggae. Did anyone yell out Judas? No, no, they didn't. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny. The people that like it love it. You know, yeah, I can and see there, that. There are people who are like, "Your reggae is so cool," but I wish you guys would just like play that. You know, and. To answer your question, we haven't really given it up. I'm sure we'll record another acoustic album in the future. Um, yeah, I hope so. Cause but we're, we, we, we started as a reggae band, and we all enjoy being in a reggae band. And I feel like we're better at being in a reggae band mm -hmm. than being, you know. We kind of just threw ourselves right into that. It's like we're, we're 10 years, 12 years ahead with the reggae thing. <laughs> we did the same thing, just threw ourselves right into yeah. it. But... We're still learning the, uh, you know, we went and played like a bluegrass festival once. Oh. Because of those. American, yeah. And we were like, oh I, my God, like somebody hide us. Now. Oh, really? Yeah. These guys could all like freaking uh -oh. do that bluegrass thing. Oh, I you see. Know? And we're like singing songs on our acoustic guitar with a drum. They're like, Who the, what's a drummer doing here? Like, why is there a drum set? That guy's got a Rogers drum set? What is this? So yeah, it's an interesting learning experience. Yeah. Same thing with the reggae. You know, yeah. I listen to Panda Show from 2004, and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't even know how to play reggae, and we're playing reggae to hundreds of people. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the songs you chose was a cover. It was a Grateful Dead cover on Country, and it was a New Speedway Boogie. Why? Why that specific song? Um, we all love that song. Mm -hmm. Um, and we. A couple tunes went through the rotation of a couple dead tunes went through the you know rotation. We played Direwolf for a while. Um, uh, New Speedway Boogie kind of just stuck. We I think we played it live a lot. We would we close a set with it like before an encore a lot. And wow, uh, someone someone being John Phillips who. Uh, runs Controlled Substance Sound Labs out on the West Coast, um, kind of uh, known for his Sublime. He like kind of discovered and made big Sublime, mm -hmm. which we all grew up on. Mm -hmm. um, John kind of pushed us to put that on the record. And it's funny because Sublime did uh, Scarlet Begonia. Yeah. And John was like... <laughs> I was like, or someone was like, is this okay? Like, can we just put this song on our record? Yeah, like, well, I wondered what's up with that? Yeah. And John was like, oh man, I know Phil. Like, we're cool, dude. <laughs> Phil gave us our blessing with Sublime, and I'm sure it's cool. And we're like, all right, man. I hope I don't go to a fucking prison over this. Right, you know, right, like, right. okay, dude. And, you know, it they, worked out. They still haven't come knocking on yeah, my door. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, all of $20 profit later, you know. <laughs> 
Well, hopefully maybe you guys could reggae that song up in a way and put it on your set list because I think, you know, uh, the message from that song is still very relevant. It is. Know, and we, we, what, we'll play it electric at the end of a reggae set. Awesome. Kind of just as it. <laughs> you know, we, just, I, we go right into it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's a crowd it, freezer. It is. It is. People dig it. Yeah, we love the Grateful Dead, man. And well, uh, that guy referred to us as... Um, he called us like working man's panda. Yeah. John Phillips was like we you know, as like the hippie guys we are versus California reggae bands, which are like, you know, surfer Hawaii Cali reggae kids, you know. You're right. Um we were like uh, a breath of fresh air for John. You know, I love he it. was like, You guys are like the freaking grateful dead, man. <laughs> we were like, if you say so, John. <laughs> Well, I, I hate to bring us down here, but I do want to get to this question. Spotify. The monster. The yeah. beast. <laughs> yes. You know, the beast that yes. I was listening to on the way here. Really? Yeah. That, that's I interesting. Mean, let's be real. Um, yeah, Spotify's a tough one. Yeah, we were talking about it the other weekend. Uh, um, these, these, This music that we're putting out, we're going to put it out in three EPs. Mm -hmm. And our manager brought it to our attention. We sent five tunes out to three different people. And we were like, so we'll do like three, five song EPs. And he was like, actually they have to be seven songs. And I was like, why? And he's like, because the Spotify algorithm like literally won't put it in your discography unless it's seven tunes. Like, well, that's totally crazy. Mm -hmm. I guess let's rearrange everything we're doing to accommodate an algorithm that's not going to pay us anything uh, yeah. from a company that's worth checks notes 38 billion dollars exactly oh my god wow. it's like wait i literally i like just you know started like checking out the stock market and that I, I came across i'm like spotify's worth 38 billion dollars wait a minute <clears throat> that's crazy and supposedly they put out eighty thousand new songs downloaded daily i mean does this break your band's back i mean did, did, does it break your spirit it does i mean it makes it also makes it feel amazing that a hundred thousand people a month will stream a tune you're like oh, wow i guess very good you know yeah that's that's rewarding yeah unless you look at some other bands numbers and oh, then I you're see. like okay small fish in the ocean mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i'll hear music i love and and again that's a horrible metric that i don't really use very much but it's become so such a standard that like every once in a while I'm like, let me see where these guys are, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. some I'll find some amazing music, and no one is listening, no one's hearing, no it. one's hearing it. Yeah, it's like there, yeah. there, there's got to be some other trick. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, some kid at some marketing company finds one of those tricks, and then everybody starts using that trick, and then you do a new trick, you know. Um, it, like, we just put out a song. We just put out a single called Hold You Tonight. Yes, it's on streaming right now on YouTube. It is. Mm -hmm. Let's try this. This will be funny. Mm -hmm. Watch this. <clears throat> I'm speaking to my phone now. Mm -hmm. Hey, Google. Play Hold You Tonight by Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad. Watch this. It did it. And I'll tell you what. When the song came out, our manager... Well, you could play it in the background while you're explaining it. Our manager said to us, um, 
guys ask your phone to play the tune because that's part of the algorithm thing. Oh. He's like, you know, a couple times through the day, parentheses, or all day if you want to, ask your phone to play Hold You Tonight by Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad. I did it. Every different way you could phrase it. Play the most recent release by Giant Panda Gorilla Play Hold You Tonight by Giant, play Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad, Hold You Tonight. It played steady every time, which is far and away our most streamed song. Oh. Power of the Algorithm. Yes. Like and 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 sure enough, I just because did it to show you that it was going to play steady and like, so, we've been asking enough, or the algorithm finally kicked in that it actually played the tune, which is good. I'm glad about that because, geez, Louise, why are you playing steady? I didn't ask you to play the song steady. You know, it's like yes, it's the same band, but like I said, the name of a song that just came out. How could it possibly not play that song? Well, so it's uh, yeah, you're working against yeah. greater powers. You are, you know, it's like. So so do, does tours then become where you make your living? Yeah, and it pretty much always has been for us because oh. one of the tune, you know, yeah. they've never hit hard enough that right. you know. But you guys have won several awards. We right? have, and we've we, we've Reggae. done good. They, you know, they've charted. Mm -hmm. You know, you, we put out a record yes. on the right week, and it hits number one on the Billboard Reggae chart for sure. a week, yes. which is an amazing yes. resume booster. Yes, it doesn't. What's the pain? Buy you a new car. <laughs> it doesn't buy you much of anything honestly you know oh, so it means it means you sold more copies than legend this week yes good luck next week you know yeah. and you know yeah. you know some of our peers are like in the top 10 year round mm -hmm. with multiple mm -hmm. discs mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. guys are making money mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um what, what are the good parts and the bad parts of touring you know that you can sum up on i mean I miss it so much right now because yeah. I haven't done it in so long. Right. Even like being on the side of the road out of gas with a flat tire right oh, now no. sounds appealing. <laughs> you know? oh, no. But I'm sure um, that's happened. No, but in the past that sucks. Yeah. Um yep. uh, but you know, it really is a blessing and it it has taken a pandemic and the inability to do it and working a job every day to put into perspective that it is really cool to be in a band with all your best friends yes and travel around in a band and do it and leave with money you know right. like i'm trying to plan like a national park trip with my wife and two kids and i'm like oh shit we're not going to get paid for the gas like we'll have to use our own money for the gas. That's a bummer. <laughs> I'm like trying to crunch the numbers. I'm like, all right, we won't get paid every night. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I miss, it, it is, yeah. it is, uh, it's an amazing experience going around the country and meeting cool Me new people yes. and playing these songs that are, you know, our heart and soul and people love them. <clears throat> you know, it's always, always crazy to watch people singing along to your tune, someone crying to your tune, someone, emailing you telling you it's their first dance at their wedding people getting a tattoo like this stuff is all crazy you know um as like a middle of the middle of the road guy like we feel really humbled to have that loyalty from a fan base also you know? and it's really what your fans have kept you going all these years which Absolutely. is a beautiful thing and as frank the real said thing. when i was 16 if you can make it in rochester you can make it anywhere, you know? We are like that test That's market. That's awesome. And yeah. yeah, it's like if a 
reggae band from mm-hmm. Rochester, New York, of a mm-hmm. bunch of Brighton boys yep. and a dude from Puerto Rico can can get it going. Yep. It's got a pretty good chance, you know, in most major areas. Well, Chris, you know, in seeing you in concerts, um, I have to ask this question. You're usually in the back of the stage, and you're, you look lonely back there. Uh, do you feel lonely? I do not feel lonely. Okay. Um, I... No, I have a. I I've been told that I have a pretty weird drumming face slash like head turn slash. I've seen it many times. Well, it's, it's very Ringo like, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then sometimes I, I, it really does vary quite a bit. Um, Rochester think- shows, I'm always a wreck because it's. I'm always nervous. It's always oh. this big buildup. My kids are always running around I, somewhere. I get it. I'm worried about trying to, yep. the security guy's not letting my mom backstage. Oh, no. and it's always something, yeah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like, so at a Rochester show, I'm usually on the edge of my seat. So that's probably not how I usually look. Right. Um, best case scenario is like, my eyes are closed and I'm like, you know, forget I'm there. Got it. And then I'm like, okay, end of the tune's coming up, right. you know. But I'm not lonely. No, I am very much connected to James. Awesome. You know, and... Uh, w- would it help if we got you some company back there, like another drummer? <laughs> you know, you know? I, I've, I've gone through points of hating and loving playing with percussion players. Ah. Um, how about trump uh, brass? How about do you, do you like that I, being I back do there? enjoy playing with horns. Uh-huh. Um, it's always a struggle having non-permanent horns because they don't feel as much pressure to do it as well. And yes. I get it. it. It it just doesn't. There's not a, as right. big a stake for them. Mm-hmm. They're like gonna go home after the weekend and maybe play again, you know, but they're going to go do whatever they were doing before they were a hired gun horn player for the weekend. Yep. Um, that being said, you know, yeah, we, sure. we've had many great horn sections over the years. Um, some better than others. We're going to use the cats that played with us most recently for our upcoming stuff. Um, some Ithaca guys oh. um, that played with... Uh, group called the Big Takeover, as well as many other groups, but uh, her Big Takeover, the Big Mean Sound Machine. Yes. And, yes. Uh, I mean, they, these guys can play. You know, these guys are really good. And then it just becomes a matter of, well, cool, how many times are you going to get together before the show? You got five or six people on stage, or in the primary group, three horn players. Oh, you're going to get Bongo, Brian, Davis from Ithaca to play percussion. Cool. Now you got ten people's schedule to work around. Wow. Um, shows July thirtieth. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. When you get in rehearsals in, and right. where are they? Oh, and wow. does yeah. your boss know? Because you know? it turns into a monster project. Yeah, yeah. it does. So yeah. it's like hopefully you get in mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. four, couple hour rehearsals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it's like, cool. How much can you really expect from these guys from playing these horn lines eight times? But then, yeah, there's every side of the coin. Some of these horn players, you get some Eastman kids, and they show up. And they charted out the songs, and you're like, oh my god. And these guys, I'm like, they'll come six months later and play the, and I'm like, how the hell did you remember that? (laughs) You've played a hundred classical concerts on the trombone since then. Yeah. And you remember that line? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, dude, it's a horn player. I'm like, cool, it's not a drummer thing. Yeah. You know? You you mentioned Ithaca. Can you explain your 
your Ithaca connection. I, I see it come up over and over again. Yeah, James and Matt Goodwin went to Ithaca College. Oh. Um, and so I've been driving up their plane since I was 16, 17 years old. And we played, it's funny, I just, just went and stayed in Trumansburg with the family for a couple nights. We drove into Ithaca, and you always drive by Castaways mm -hmm. coming down 89. Yes. And it's not Castaways anymore, it's called The Dock, but I was like, guys, Dad's played <laughs> so many shows there. At the Castaways. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so many shows. So many good times, you know, so many memories. I was very young. Yeah. This was 20 years ago. Another influence on you, yeah. And, uh... So Ithaca definitely is a special spot in my the, heart. We're lucky to have a cool college town yeah. like that so close by. The haunt, the haunt. The Haunt, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and Rangovian Inn? Yeah, yes. the Rango that's in Trumansburg. Trumansburg, yeah. I'm not sure if it's still jamming or if they I rebirthed it or whatever. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I just, I, they got a gimme coffee on the main drag there. I just had one the other day. Uh -huh. um, yeah, my sister-in-law, who used to play Keys and Panda, um, actually lives a uh, hop, you know, right by the grassroots territory, which um, we're playing at at the end of the month, July 30th. Oh, good to know. And, oh, uh, that's new. I didn't. Yeah, that's that the one. first show since February 23rd, 2020. Oh, yeah. Can you and believe that? I, I can, I can, I can believe that you remember the exact. Oh, days, exactly. You know. I'm so glad we did it like a. 10 day run and it was like on the fence we almost made it a one-off we had a right. nice anchor gig in arizona reggae festival and we were like you know let's do a quick colorado hit fly to california drive down the coast do that and then fly home so and we did so when's when's what happens after that you guys got a tour coming up in the fall i thought yeah we are doing um like a, a same thing 10 day or down to a reggae fest in florida awesome and yeah, so we'll do the, the East Coast, which is always fun. Yes. Um, about half the places are places we've been to a lot over the years. Um, Charleston, South Carolina, we're playing at the Poor House. And that place is, I'm finding this picture, that place is near and dear. We've had tons of awesome shows there. Actually, you know, I'm looking at it and... Um, the Ardmore Music Hall in Philly is where we'll start, and we've played there a bunch, but a lot impressive. of the other places really are um, new, so yeah. hopefully they're cool. Uh, I'll tell you, they're going to be hungry for you, for sure. I hope so. Oh, they no. will. Trust me. I know me. I'm hungry. I've yeah. bought a couple concert tickets, and I'm like yeah. chomping at the bit. Yeah, to go. <laughs> to go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another uh, thing I wanted to bring up is I went on to your website, and there is a video of you singly playing the drums, and... I, I want some background on that because yeah, for, the for, water tower dub. Okay. Yeah. Could you explain that? And for for those out there that don't know what I'm talking about, go to Live Panda. Go to Live Panda and it and check it out. It's right there, and uh, click on that video. And so, so yeah, here in Rochester, New York, um, we have this little forest in the city, uh, Washington Grove, part of Cobb's Hill. Didn't know this. Yeah, you know, the back there. You yeah. Know, like up Nunda there. Yeah. So anyway, uh, up in those is two abandoned water towers. Yes. Water tanks. Yes. Must be 500,000 gallon tanks or something like that. <laughs> they are, you know, the size of a big house. Um, but there's no top on them. 
and they've always, for the most part, when I was like 18 years old, they were like, someone blasted a hole in one of them for a summer and you could get in it. But just last spring, one of them got open. Someone must have gone up there with like a fire, uh, you know, oh, fire hydrant oh, wrench or something yeah. like that, because there's a serious bolt on it. Um, but they were open. And you go in, because you gotta go in, because it's open, and it's empty, and it's cool. Uh -huh. And, I mean, literally, the second your foot hits, do, 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 do. Echo. And the more you get in, the stronger it is. So, I was up there with my wife and kids, and I'm like, oh, guys, it's open, we gotta go in. There's a little slosh, and it gets a little yeah, grimy, but right. you, you get over it, and, yeah. then, you know, it's... It's old, so it's uneven, and there's, like, dry spots of, like, rust, you know, not yeah. super rusty, but it's, right. like, gross metal. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a baseball bat in there. Someone had left a baseball bat in there. And I banged the baseball bat against the floor, and it was just the most monstrous echo. We were freaking out. And, you know, I'd thought of it several times before, but that, that was really it, where I was like, okay. I gotta bring some drums up here. You, I gotta do it. That's awesome that you had that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, a reggae drummer. If that didn't come to mind when you made that big noise, something's wrong. Um, it, it's truly the most amazing natural delay I've ever heard. Yes. Oh, um, I agree. It's, it's hypnotic. And I, so, I just... yeah, I, I, got, I got a hold of my friend, Mike Martinez, who shoots amazing video here in town, big music lover. He does, uh, you know, he has, he's a professional video dude. I, I thought so, so watching he that. Went, yep. he, he helps Panda and jams with Panda and goes on the road with oh. Panda for the love of the music. You know, he's usually missing a much better gig <laughs> to come hang with us, which God bless him for that. Um, but I was like, Mike, we got to do this. Are you down? And he's yeah. like, I'm down, man. Yeah. He's like, let's, let, we'll schedule it in a couple weeks. One Sunday came around. It was like 60 degrees out, beautiful out, nothing to do. It was beautiful. And what? I was like, Mike, should we do it? And he's like, dude, let's do it. And I was like, all right, let me ask Amy. We're like diddle-daddling back and forth. And Mike's like, dude, we're not going to do this if we don't do it. Yeah. Meet me up there in 45 minutes, man. Wow. And so we did it. And, and it was really pretty hysterical. People were like, why don't you bring more drums? We had to carry those drums up like yeah. a very thorough hike. Yes. The, like the, the quick way is from school number one, like to oh, right, school. Below, yeah. But then it's like, that's the way we went, but it's like steep. Yeah, it's like a steep. 50 degree angle, yeah. you know? Oh my God. Um, so, you know, I was extremely out of breath. And in hindsight, you know, I always like forget that Mike makes stuff look like cinematically amazing. I was tired. I was out of breath. Again, the kids were running around. Right, <laughs> like, right. Um, I set up the drums and we did it for like 20 minutes. Like right. we didn't, we weren't up there for three hours. James right. tried to come and literally he, by the time he got there, I was like, we're done. We're done. Yeah. I, I, yeah. the drums are in the car. He was like, you're kidding. Yeah. And, uh, in Good hindsight, thing. I would have, I should have stayed for longer and jammed more. Um, mm, I think, I think, I think you point proof. You yeah. Know, yeah, we got it. Yeah, you, know? you got it. Um, and that was like one of like, you know, well, well, there's how? like six or seven more takes of like different grooves. Wow. Um, and we chose that one. Yes. Again, I did it so quickly and wasn't thinking about like the possibility of like 
any thousand people. It was literally just like, we have to do this for us because this is cool and we make music. Absolutely. And then, you know, management was like, dude, this is like, we got to get this on YouTube tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. oh, okay. Maybe I should have like done it, like tried a little harder, but whatever. No, we did it. And, I, um, I, I think you were a complete success. Chris. It was cool. It Thank, was. You. And, Thank and, you. And I was wondering too, the sound, was that a problem? Was that uh, no? No. So you can see in the video that there's like a little mic zoom recorder yeah. right in front of my bass drum yeah, sort of I like saw this. and yeah. that is the only yeah, I sound that which was like a... again on like whichever video youtube video like there's a couple people classic internet jargon they're like you put delay on this wow dude that's not that's not real and i'm like it's real. I yeah. don't know how else to prove it to you yeah. except for come on down to Rochester, New York. But it's definitely there's. We didn't mix it. There's nothing. You you can see the microphone in that. The video. It's, it's incredible. And and did he photograph it walking around? Because he did. I he, tried to offer him my shoe. I tried yeah. to offer him these waterproof uh, right. shoes. And he was like in his vans. He's just so pro. You know. Yeah. He was like sl He you can see in the end. He totally. like goes down to his feet. Yep. He was like you know, dude. They'll dry off. I'm like. Yeah, the man. I know. But I, yeah, he's just so good. He with really it. is. He's got such a steady hand. Yes. He's got the great gear. He's got the great attitude ready to go. Yeah, I thought know? it was some device that he might have been using. I think to... he did have a gimbal. Did he? It, it's called. Yes. Like, it's okay. Set, but, but still, still just yeah. the movement and oh. how he you know, pans out. And he, he, just, really he, he knew your how you beat that drum, the way he was <laughs> moving the camera. So, Mike, uh, heads up. We love you if yeah, you're listening. Exactly. Um, well, um, we're going to kind of get down to the end of it here. Uh, I got a few more for you, though. Yeah. Um, in terms of your albums, you've been making albums for how long now? Can you remember? 2005? Yeah, Slow Down, we okay. started recording, I think, in 2004, but I believe it came out in 2006. Oh, so you're, how would you uh, rate your evolution? Uh, how would you sum up your evolution so far of your albums? And do you have a favorite? Do you have a memorable? Uh, do you have one that's underestimated your albums? You know, it it took us so long to follow up, slow down. Um, and I think like a lot of musicians, I play and listen to the songs so much during the process of making the album that like once it comes out and I get a couple copies sent to me <laughs> from management, like... I rarely listen to it. Oh, wow. If my kids want to, you know, well, once, you know, Amy will throw some sure. panda on once I will wake up uh -huh. and there's some panda playing and it's cool. Right. Um, but I very rarely listen back. Got it. Um, because I listen so many times while we're making it. Making it. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I've heard the record a thousand times. Right. Absolutely. That's why I don't listen to it. <laughs> I got it. Um, but, a couple, a couple notable things. The first, we, we just put Slow Down out on vinyl for the first time ever. Oh, that's great news. You know, we like self-funded it when we were literally children by playing a weekly in the East End and going and handing all our money to Alex Barrialis at this super fancy recording studio <laughs> in Ithaca. And he was like, trust me guys, it's worth it. Like, this Neve Ford, you'll never hear sonically like superiority this dude set up my drum microphones for six hours he's, like, he's milking us for time to this day it is sonically cool. incredible you listen to that hi-hat you listen to those drums and it's like okay yeah 
we that's what we paid for. You know, it didn't age. Yeah. It didn't. Oh, that sounds so 2005. It's like nope. That is a England made Rupert Neve board. Mm. Nothing like it. Sweet. Yeah, you know. So I always go back to that experience. Like that was worth it. <laughs> that guy was cool. Those guys were all cool, and. <laughs> You know, we shelled out. We didn't have anything else to shell out for. We were 18-year-old sure. kids. You know, sure. that's what we were trying to, sure. you know, you make the money, you record an album. Well, um, how can you purchase it in vinyl now? Uh, I think there's some copies left on LivePanda.com. Is there? Okay. I, I think we made 300 okay. or something. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah, w you know, we, I think a, a, a company called like Record Guru, or there's some, some small company that does exactly that, like reaches out to bands that have, an album people like that never came out on vinyl and they basically fund it and put it out under their little collective thing wow. and we were like yeah we, i want to slow on i've wanted slow on on vinyl for 20 years let's do it <laughs> um so, and then, yeah so that's cool you remaster it for vinyl but anyway um i do I, I do enjoy them all you know and as i've become an older guy it really rings true that it's just going to be a cool thing it's a really cool thing to look back on and, you know, show my kids. Awesome. You know, those awesome. albums are forever, you right. know, and it's like you can share war stories of the road and this and that, but it's like yeah. a record, you yeah. can listen to it Absolutely. as many times as you want over and over. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, I figure we'll just keep going. Yep. <laughs> you awesome. know? Yep. Now, I've heard you mention several times now in this interview a lovely woman's name, Amy. Who is she and what does she mean to you? Amy Lynn Brown is uh, my wife with no ring and um, life partner. And we have two beautiful boys. Their names? Elliot and Oscar, nine and seven. And uh, I got a little me and we got a little Amy. Awesome. Elliot's the little me. You know, they're their own children. I try not to pound that in too much. They're their own entities, but it is hysterical how much they are. And, how, Chris and, and how is it to balance both your musical career and family life? It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember, let's see, it was April 20th, 2012. Yeah, the 2012 again. Um, uh, two, three months before Elliot was born. We were in a hotel room playing a big 420 show in Denver, Colorado, mm -hmm. and I literally broke down in tears to the guys. I was like, guys, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm about wow. to have this baby. Wow. And I don't know what it's going to be like. And Dylan had two children, still has two children, um, but ha had already become a father to two children. And was like, Chris, we can make this work, man. Like, we got this. It's doable, you know? And I was like, Dylan, I just don't know if my wife is going to be able to be such a warrior like your wife is. Um, I, I think I might need to be there a lot, this and that. Um, and so we definitely took some, a, you know, a couple months off. And then we went on a pretty extensive tour with G-Love. Yes. That was the first run we did after Elliot was born. But long story short, we... We've learned to deal with it, and we've definitely trimmed the fat. Like, I'm not driving to Delaware on a Friday night to play at some lame club for $50, you know. Right. Can't do that anymore. Right. Have a family. Right, right. Um, at the same time, definitely have no intention of folding it up. I mean, we've been doing this band since we were kids. The band's been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. We have amazing fans. We have an amazing time doing it. 
you know, it, hopefully something will hit one day and we yep. can say it was life-changing for everyone involved. If not, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, we're very lucky to be able to say that we're passionate about what we do. And, and in her own right, Amy's an artist, correct? Can, she is. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah, what she's what a, she does? She's a great visual artist. Um, she paints all the time. Um, she's also a hairstylist. Who she's she she we fall into the same category of being able to say we love our job and we're passionate about what we do. Yes, and we enjoy it. And it's probably why she understands what's going on with you and the band too. She, exactly, and yep. she she loves the side gigs. She gets the like WXXI hair and makeup commercial gigs around town, and she loves it. She comes home with that same excitement of me from a show. She did like a yeah. four day shoot a couple weeks ago. Wow, and she came home like. Sure. And I was like, you are like high from the adrenaline yeah. of what you just did. You know? Sure, sure. And yeah, so again, we're, yep. we're definitely in a good, blessed situation. Yeah, and, and like I said, uh, I've, I've uh, had the pleasure of uh, knowing and meeting Amy, and she's always uh, has a smile on her face, very pleasant person, she's understanding and woman. loving. She is. Yeah, yeah, she really is. You're a lucky man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won the lot. As she is, too. Uh, <laughs> a lucky woman. Um, and, and summing up here, too, like we're, we're, we're coming out of COVID. Um, I was just wondering, what was going on with you and the band during COVID? Uh, you know, it was, must have been a little stressful. It was super stressful. Again, um, we got home March 23rd and whoa yeah or sorry February 23rd okay yeah I was gonna say that's you're right. like that's dude right. really <laughs> how'd you fly um, yeah no we got home February 23rd I I was the guy telling your daughter yo this is all shutting down. Yep. And I was the crazy dude. Yep. And I was telling my brother, I went to his weekly at Avalon, I said, yo, you're not going to be here next week playing this, so tell everyone, we'll see you soon. He was making fun of me on the microphone. I was like, all right, guys. Um, yeah, so I was all over it. I was freaking out before shit hit the fan. Whoa. We went and saw Bobby McFerrin yeah. March 4th at Eastman Theater right. with a shoulder-to-shoulder 100-person chorus just breathing spring into the air right and i'll never ever ever forget that Meaning, you know that yeah. was the last Jeez. normal thing we did yep I, I we i was already like we shouldn't even be here right but the whole world was still up and running sure sure um my little my little guy oscar was born on st patrick's day so he had two covid birthdays oh, you know sorry. we're gonna throw him a bash next year yes um but yeah, I mean, it. you know, it, yeah. we, it's funny, of course, the first show to rebook, which is the reggae festival in Florida, was the last show to cancel, you know. Oh, no. Yeah, we, I mean, thank God. Yeah. We were like, no, guys, it's on. Yeah. We're like, uh, really? Yeah. Like, I kept being like, me and James were like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to fly down to Florida right now. That just seems like kind of crazy yeah like, what if they lock everything down we're in florida and our kids are in indiana and new york like no way dude i'm not going to do that like and you know i don't know the guys but 
some guys threw down a couple hundred grand to throw this huge yeah. reggae festival, and they're like, yo, we're, this will ruin our lives if this doesn't happen. Right. So finally, whatever, uh, you know, health commissioner was like, okay, you can't throw this party. <laughs> they're like, all right, it's canceled. We're like, woo! <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. You know, that was like in the beginning where no yeah. one knew what the hell was, was going, going on. on. Like, yeah. going to Florida to play a concert with my band? Are you right. kidding me? No, no. And so... That's great. We did. I did. I did like one. I literally did one Zoom. I called it a fireside chat. I saw that. It was really cool. It was cool. Yeah, I liked it. Living room. It was like right at the beginning when everyone was doing stuff. Yeah. James did several things. Yes, he did. Um, It's all all on YouTube. Yeah. Rootfire. Rootfire Rootfire.net. If you're interested in any of this reggae business, is definitely somewhere to stop by. Um, They. You know, from my perspective, really aced the mm-hmm. COVID internet mm-hmm. fulfilling mm-hmm. Um, some yes something to give the fans. Right. Um, I, I was one of those fans, and I loved it. it yeah, was there's a lot of informative stuff. There's uh, our buddy Devin does, yep. did the songbook thing. Yes. I mean, this kid knows everything there is to know about it, and he's like, I'm, you know. Yeah, forty-year-old Cali kid, but he was just in the right place at the right time, and he knows it's, everything. So it's Devin, Dylan, and you—that's the core. No, sorry, Devin. No, Devin no. is not. Um, oh, Eli Flynn is our most recent gu- guitar okay. player. Okay. Um, Tony Galicchio is right. on keys. Yes. Um, he came in and fit like a glove. Literally, we did one rehearsal with this kid, and I was like, <laughs> "You in, dude?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, bro." I was like, "Yes." Well, that's talent. He's such a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then me, Dylan, and James. Okay, um, and, that's it. Uh, for these sh- two shows coming up this summer, um, we're pulling in a couple extra band members to thicken up the sound. You know, those big shows, it's always fun. Yes. It, it, you know, I, as like a teenager or whatever with, with, with certain groups that I'm a fan of, I'm always like, why did they bring the extra guys? And then when you're on the other side of the curtain, you're like, Bring the extra guys. guys. You know, yeah. let's make this a thing. Right. You know, I'm like a fan of a band. Yes. I don't need right. the smoke and mirrors. Right, right. But a lot of people do. Yes. You know, yes. hence bands throwing $100,000 into their lighting rig. Right. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm like, I never get it until I go, until you're like, oh, it makes the show like 10 yeah. times cooler. Right. Okay. That's why they yeah. did it. Right, <laughs> it's, right. You know, if... If being in a band was just about, my brother had a great lyric about it. Like, um, half of going to a concert is seeing it. You're hearing it, but like, you're, you're seeing, seeing like it. almost more than you're hearing. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So I agree with that. It's it's interesting. You definitely have to take that into consideration if you're trying to entertain a sea of people. And Panda notoriously, to our credit or fault, doesn't. You know, we go up in our clothes and we play our yeah. acoustic. Yes. drums yes. and there's no right. backing track and no. there's no right. ear monitors and there's it, we're just a band of dudes playing songs it's pure take it or leave it it's you pure know? and it works yeah hopefully that purity comes back in yeah. style at some point <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. well um one last question before we go and I, you're probably going to be surprised to hear this probably thought you would never hear this but uh you're all grown up now as <laughs> as a musician what are your uh, uh, thoughts and recommendations to young people out there that are playing music and want to, you know, ha- get a band and be, be successful? You know, 
I, I revert back to my answer from a long time ago. I could say any number of things, but if you're a young kid and you're trying to get a band together and you're trying to get it on the road, you're trying to make it a real thing, it's tough to have a job. It's tough to have that side gig at the restaurant or whatever because then you're going to miss a show and your band's going to be bummed out when they can't book that cool show because you got to go to work. So that's a hard thing to juggle, especially when you're not a rich kid, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're an 18-year-old kid. you got to pay your rent. It's hard to make that decision. Um, but if you overcome that, the, the thing that really got us out of Rochester, we had a little bit by, you know, it's always awkward having the drummer, the bass player, the guitar player call a club and pitch your own band. That's yeah. not really a thing unless you're a kid trying to make it happen. You got to get a booking agent, you know, and that, you know, there's small ones, there's big ones, there's medium ones. We, we, we um, landed a small Northeastern booking agent at first, uh, oh. in the pocket artist, Gabe mm. Johnson. Mm -hmm. He took a chance on us and we kind of, we kind of like went national together. Like by the time we were out in Colorado and out in California, he like had picked up a bunch of more bands and moved to Oregon and like made his thing national as opposed to regional as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was a really big step for us, getting a real booking agent. You know, that's like, if you're really trying to get it off the ground, someone's gonna have to represent you that's not in the band. Yeah, I think a lot of young people don't realize that. Yeah, you know, it's a when they're big, starting out. It's, it's a, a pretty big thing. Yeah, and it's a pretty big commitment that you're gonna have to make too, especially if you happen to pick the wrong guy. Sure. It can really sour you forever. Yeah, and back to the first point, if you do pick the right guy and he gets you a Thursday, right. Friday, Saturday, and you gotta work on Friday afternoon, you can't go do it. And he's not probably gonna book you too many shows. No. You can't play the shows he books you, you know? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's like, it's that, it's that crazy grind. It's just like with everything, you know, you're growing up and you want the fancy basketball shoes. And the moment you become a professional basketball player, the shoes are not only free, but they're named after you. Exactly. You have a million dollars to buy basketball shoes now, but you don't freaking need it. Exactly. It's the same thing with music gear. You know, you want that amazing rig. Of course, these billionaires on stage, their guitar sounds amazing because they're right. through the best amp money can buy with the fanciest guitar. Yep. And you're on this Mexican Stratocaster out of a crate amp trying to get on the road it's like that it's that constant struggle of like you have to work harder that's why you you get a break you literally get a break you don't have to carry your stuff you know you know it's like right it, so that's the great irony of showbiz it's like you gotta bust ass to get to the point where you don't have to bust ass it, 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 right and it makes sense too because not everybody can do it yeah you know and and it sort of separates the wheat from the shaft if yeah you, and the road say. is not for everyone right you know right um some people go on the road for three weeks and literally like skits out yeah like, yo i'm never doing this, this again, again. you no. know well just want to thank you for taking this long time it's been to, a pleasure to, to talk to us that was a breeze that went quick yes and um <laughs> because of you and i i just want to say this that um you are a person of integrity goodness, love, passion, and you've somehow surrounded yourself with people uh, just like that, and uh, especially your band members, your core band members that I've seen uh, play together. I can just see why you guys are a unit and why you're a successful unit out there.
Thanks, and Tony. I just want to wish you, wish all of you continued success. Thanks very much. I think you deserve it because you're the real deal. And I think uh, our listeners out there have really gained a great insight in you, music, and the band. So thank you. I hope so. Thanks. Oh, very, thanks I so know much. So. For it was wonderful. Right. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, all right. Thanks again. Peace. Well, what do you think, Def? That was something else, wasn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, great interview. Great interview. I, I really appreciated Chris's insight on music and the business and life itself. I'll tell you, we feel pretty fortunate to have spent some time with Chris, and we hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you want to check out their latest shows, once again, remember, go to their website and you'll see a list of their upcoming shows. Yeah, they'll have plenty of content uh, at that site. There'll be songs and videos, and uh, of course, it'll be and please check out that video of Chris drumming uh, out at Cobbs Hill Park. I think you really will enjoy that as well. It's a stunning video. It's great audio. It really is. Until next time, everyone stay Irene. We want to thank our sponsors, Fiorella's Restaurant, fine Italian cuisine. Come and have a taste of Italy right in the public market in ROC Town. Rochester, New York. So join us next time on ROC Tone Deaf. I'm Tone. And I'm Deaf. This has been ROC Tone Deaf.